0: Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show.
1: Prepare to gag, yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our new time slot, Tuesdays at 2.30 p.m. on WBAI 99.5 FM. We are Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. This show is our weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Sarah Germaine Lilly
2: and I'm Liz McGillis. for those of you who are new to the program we are an inclusive direct action group of LGBTQ people and their allies committed to nonviolently breaking the gun industry's chain of death that means investors manufacturers the NRA and politicians who block safer gun laws.
1: This week, we remember the tragic school shooting that took the lives of 17 high school students and teachers on Valentine's Day, 2018. Our show lineup in memoriam, Parkland victims. Interviews Manuel and Patricia Oliver, parents of Joaquin Oliver and Hannah Baramovich author of Whose Right Is It? The Fight Over Guns and the Second Amendment.
2: We take a few minutes here to acknowledge the horror and disbelief we felt that day with our in memoriam in honor of those killed. Thank
1: you to high school student Eddie Moore for sharing their
3: names. This week, we remember the victims of the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Alyssa Aladeff, 14 years old. Scott Bagel, 35 years old. Martin Duque Anguiano, 14 years old. Nicholas Dorrett, 17 years old. Aaron Feist, 37 years old. Jamie Gutenberg, 14 years old. Chris Hickson, 49 years old. Luke Hoyer, 15 years old. Kara Lorrain, 14 years old. Gina Mantalto, 14 years old. Joaquin Oliver, 17 years old. Alina Petty, 14 years old. Meadow Pollock, 18 years old. Alina Ramsey, 17 years old. Alex Schachter, 14 years old. Carmen Shentrop, 16 years old. Peter Wayne, 15 years old. You remember you.
1: Liz, have you heard the story about Gag on the day of the Parkland shooting?
2: I've heard I've heard bits of it. I know that they were in DC doing an action and while they were there, they got news alerts about the Parkland shooting that had just happened that day.
1: It, apparently they started organizing on the way back to New York on the bus.
2: Yeah, that sounds like Gag.
1: I saw GAG the next day at LaGuardia High School. There were human beings there and they were speaking and they were with the LaGuardia students and the principal.
2: That's the thing about these school shootings that it affects so many different types of people. We have you know, members of GAG where we've been out of school for a long time, meeting up with high school students from around the country to talk about this common goal to end the gun violence.
1: Listeners, I'm so happy to welcome here now Patricia and Manuel Oliver. They lost their son, Joaquin, in the Parkland shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Since then, they've been so active in the gun violence prevention movement and done so many wonderful things. So first, I wanted to ask you about your organization, Change the Ref. Well, thank you
4: for having us here today. It's really uh, nice we love you guys and and um, every time we go to New York we just hang out with all of you and we have a lot of friends uh, in New York that have been supporting our movement since day one. Chaser Ref it's it's actually um, an extension of Joaquin Oliver. We are Joaquin's parents and, and we never understood that um, there was a reason for us to stop being Joaquin parents. The way to hang out with Joaquin and do things together in a very radical way, just like Joaquin will do it, using art and uh, advertising as or major tools, it's what we do every single day since the last three years. You could call us any week and we will always be doing something. I know that this uh, week is special, but for us, the concept of a calendar is just not the same. We just work and work and work, trying to save lives every day uh, to the last day of our lives.
1: Yeah. I wanted to ask you about how the community is doing, how the kids are doing, what's it like at the high school? What's it like?
5: Well. The community here, talking about the kids specifically, it's been been hard, it's been really hard. Everybody has their own timing to show and to feel the process that they went through. And I've been seeing a lot of kids, uh, Joaquin's friends actually, That they've been struggling, so they've been missing a year of school because they don't feel comfortable. Uh, Another kid is being very; uh, it's not the same. He's been very scared. He gets panic attacks every time that he's with in a crowd. So you've been seeing definitely that is a strong, a very strong damage in the emotional way in terms of the kids at school and the community. On the other hand, I feel like a really sad and frustrating in a way because it's been three years, and really the community what it shows is that they just wanna keep moving forward. So like nothing happened. So this year, for example, we we heard that they are planning something, but not really. No, nobody really knows what's going on, and that's sad. Because, you know, they, they keep uh, that flame up and high implies that they are risking their properties or they're risking, you know, the value of the area, and that is really sad because you cannot, you, you cannot put a towel on, you know, in front of what happened, that it was a tragedy. And sadly but truth, it happened here. And it took our son like 16 other more, and that is not correct. So it, it feels really, it, it's a very bad taste that I personally have with all these attitudes. It's really, really annoying and really awful to be able to, under, to, to realize that that's what is surrounding us today.
1: Thanks. In a few minutes, we're going to have an interview with Hannah Baramovich, and she has written this book. It's about the fight over the Second Amendment. How has the NRA manipulated the Second Amendment, and and who does that benefit?
4: Well, um, you know that this is the only nation worldwide that has something like the Second Amendment, like where where you think that freedom depends on, on having or not the right to carry a gun? But I always thought that if your freedom depends on carrying or not a gun, then it's, you shouldn't call it freedom. I the only benefit here it's uh, to the gun industry. There is um, a very um, uh, hard relationship between. Uh, a lot of politicians that, that have been able to represent our rights and the gun lobby and the gun industry. So it's no secret that the NRA pays for a lot of these campaigns. The sad part of it is that I don't think we even need a Second Amendment, to be honest. I think that, yeah, you might have the right to own a gun, but do we need to? to have that as part of our constitution? No, it's, you, it should be a privilege and you have to pass through a lot of tests and regulations like in some other first world countries. It's funny how they compare the United States to third world countries, like, whoa, well, you can see what happened in Cuba. You can see what happened in Venezuela. You could see what happened, well, what about comparing the United States of America with Australia, for example? or New Zealand, or First World countries that don't need to give their civilians the right to carry an AR-15. This is not something that stays on, on insecurity streets, or gang members, or anything. The, the person that killed our son was 19 years old, and he legally purchased an AR-15, large-capacity magazines, and a lot of ammunition, and then he went to the school and did what he did. So the system allowed this guy to do that, and and the system—it's part of the 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 elements that we're blaming here, right? Um, they will say uh, that the good guy with the gun is the best way to protect. Uh, from a bad guy with the gun. And you could turn into a bad person in a minute. If you don't have a gun, you will just be a good guy that turns into a bad guy, and you're going to punch a wall, maybe. Now, that same metamorphosis, if that's a word in English, in Spanish, I love it, that change of mood, owning a gun, an arsenal of guns, that's dangerous. And if you, in addition to that, think that the, the being patriotic and, and brave and manly and the American way, tough, implies carrying a gun, I think we have the, the, the wrong identity here. The good news is that many people think the way that we think. And the cool guy with the gun is starting not to be that cool. And you can see it on the politicians that lately have been elected. And you can see it in society. I mean, we at the end of the day, we're going to be able to see um, more regulations. And, and I guess that's our goal at this point.
1: So how can people get in touch with Change the Ref, make a
4: contribution, make a difference? You can contact us by getting into our website, org. You can also follow us, We're almost in every social media uh, platform. Uh, We have merch and we we get donations. And our main tool here, it's two things. We, We use art and we use creative agencies to create advertising content. A new message, a new narrative. We are trying to somehow do what we did a few years ago to the tobacco industry. There is a way to let people know what is maybe killing you and what could save your life. There's, there's, there's a lot of content for us to, to move forward in that direction. And that's what we do every single day or our latest campaign. We have like four or five campaigns per year. And we invite everyone to be part of this movement.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Manuel, for reminding us of the reality of this problem, but also for reminding us that we can save lives. So thank you for giving us a way to do that, and we look forward to seeing you again. Take care. Thank you.
5: Thank you for
1: having me. Bye. Bye.
2: You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show, here on listener-sponsored, commercial-free radio, WBAI 99.5. We are here every Tuesday afternoon at 2.30 p.m., bringing you the latest from the gun violence prevention movement.
1: Gays Against Guns is urging our listeners to keep free speech radio alive by rushing a tax-deductible donation to WBAI 99.5 FM. And become a Radio Gag BAI buddy. Visit WBAI.org or go to give numeral to WBAI and support WBAI and Radio Gag right now.
2: Our next guest is Hanna Baramovich, who has written a book for young people about the history of guns and the Second Amendment in the U.S.
1: Listeners, I'm so happy to be here with Hannah Baramovich, and we are talking today about her book, Whose Right Is It? The Second Amendment and the Fight Over Guns. Hannah, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I wonder, how did you become interested in writing a book about the Second Amendment?
6: So I actually initially became interested because of a podcast podcast called um, More Perfect. And they did an episode about the history of the Second Amendment. And I was so surprised by it. You know, I'd gone to law school, sort of kept up with the news on on the Second Amendment and gun rights. And yet I still was shocked by a lot of things I learned, you know, including sort of how new our conception of the Second Amendment is. You know, the Second Amendment reads a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And, you know, today, The focus is on the the second half of that. But for much of American history, the Second Amendment was viewed as a militia right. It wasn't until 2008 that the Supreme Court ruled that it was an individual right. So all that was new to me. The history of the NRA was new to me, You know how it used to be mostly an outdoor sporting organization. It didn't transform into a lobbying powerhouse until the 70s. Um, So all that was really surprising to me and inspired me to write a book.
1: I teach middle school and high school in New York City. And I have some difficulty in bringing this subject into the classroom, unless there's a particular social justice context, or of course, students bringing this up. So I'm wondering how you came upon this idea to share it with students, particularly in this age group, 10 to 14, and what you say to parents and to teachers who feel that this book is inappropriate for their child.
6: Yeah, sure. So I think there's you know a bunch of questions in there and I'll try to answer them. One by one. I think the first thing I should say is that, you know, before I said all this was surprising to me and I wanted to write a book about it, but I should specify I wanted to write a book for a younger audience about it because there are some great books for adults that talk about you know the amendments history or policy. Um, Adam Winkler has a great book, uh, but there there was a gap in the literature for young people, and I wanted to put together an all in one book. You know that covered history, that covered policy, that explained terms that were confusing, like federalism. You know that really did a deep dive and was an all in one sort of manual to gun rights, gun history um, in the United States. And you know the answer to your question about what I tell parents is. Young people are exposed to the threat of gun violence every day. You know, they they walk through metal detectors or they wear clear backpacks or they have school shooter drills. And even if they aren't exposed to gun violence itself, the school shooter drills can take a toll. And it's all very scary. You know, there's an American Psychological Association report that says... 70 some percent of Gen Z youth report feeling very stressed or stressed by by the threat of shootings. And so all this is to say I think, you know, introducing the topic won't stress them further. I actually think it will help them like understand, you know, the context around it, the history around it, how understandings of the amendment have changed over time, what they can do about the problem. And then to your final the final part of your question about classrooms while there is a political valence to any discussion of gun rights um, or the Second Amendment, I think the book is largely a history. And while obviously you cannot talk about guns without talking about policy, I think it's, it's broader than that, right? It starts, you know, from before uh, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, moves through history, just talks about arguments on all sides and, and is a history book in that way.
1: Do you feel that the conversation around gun control has been shifting in recent years and what role do young people play in moving that conversation forward?
6: Yeah, so young people as I mentioned are directly affected by this problem and you know they are at the helm of a lot of efforts to change it. I think especially after Parkland we saw a lot of national attention on the the high school students who planned the March for Our Lives who did a lot of sort of Twitter and other grassroots activism on the gun issue. I think it's also important to keep in mind that, you know, young people have been doing this work for for years. There's a group out of Chicago called the Peace Warriors who have been fighting against gun violence in their community for years. But I think, you know, once the the school shooting that happened at Parkland happened at a predominantly white school, the Peace Warriors are predominantly Black. You have to think about the the race in this issue. And so they have been doing this work for years too and i think the the parkland students did a great job of bringing the peace warriors into the fold acknowledging that media attention was put on parkland students in large part because you know they are white and and bringing to the forefront all those issues
1: great Now, we had some recent news about the NRA. Um, What can you tell us about New York Attorney General Letitia James' attempts to dissolve the NRA and what that means for the future of the organization, including the organization's recent bankruptcy filing?
6: Yeah, so there's a lot going on there. (laughs) Um, So starting with the lawsuit. A little while ago, uh, Attorney General Letitia James uh, sued the NRA, which is incorporated in New York, sort of an interesting tidbit from history from back when the NRA was more of a sporting or a marksmanship organization. It's incorporated in New York, which surprises some people. So the New York AG has jurisdiction over it, and it is a nonprofit. And uh, Attorney General James argued that the NRA abused its status as a nonprofit by misappropriating some funds for executives' personal use. She sought several different remedies, which ranged from, uh, you know, restitution, paying back that misappropriated money, to um, tossing out several top leaders, to dissolution of the whole NRA. I think probably... Most likely, if she's successful, it'll be on the restitution or ousting of several leaders front. Dissolution is much harder to prove. You'd have to prove that fraud ran rampant within the whole organization. Now, the thing that throws a wrench in this whole (laughs) lawsuit is uh, recently the NRA filed for bankruptcy. But explicitly said it was doing so because it wanted to leave New York, get rid of this harassing or what it characterized as harassing lawsuit and reincorporate in Texas. You know, I think the the AG might try to get that bankruptcy dismissed on the grounds that there's no reorganizational purpose here. You know, the, the NRA explicitly and contemporaneously said that its finances were actually totally fine. It was just doing this to avoid the lawsuit. The wrinkle in that is that its finances might not be fine. You know, you look at the 2019, there are public reports from 2019 and they report a deficit of, I think, you know, 10 or maybe $12 million. We don't have the, the 2020 data yet, but I assume it is, it's similar. I mean, especially with the pandemic, I can't imagine funds going up, but who knows. All that is to say, I am very curious <laughs> to see how it all turns out. Today,
1: while I was reading the New York Times, I saw a protest sign that said freedom over safety. Can you talk about that concept in the context of the Second Amendment?
6: Yeah, so I think those two words encapsulate the the core values of each side of the gun debate. Safety, you know, that's what many gun control supporters advocate for. They want more restrictions because they think it'll increase uh, public safety. Um, And then on the other side, you have freedom, and that's what gun rights advocates, what they advocate for. Um, They say there shouldn't be restrictions on their right to own guns because it impinges on their freedom as protected by the Second Amendment in the Constitution. And I think that this sign really sort of cleanly encapsulates that debate and that sort of policy weighing of, of, of two values excellent thank
1: you so much for being with us today
6: thank you so much for having me
1: here are the opening paragraphs of hannah's book
0: it was valentine's day 2018 High school senior Tori Gonzalez was finally feeling well enough to go back to school after being sick for a while. She saw her boyfriend, Joaquin Oliver, who gave her a bouquet of flowers. Actually, he wasn't her boyfriend. He told her, I hope you no, know, you're not my girlfriend. You are my soulmate. That would be the last day she ever saw him. That afternoon, a 19-year-old boy walked into Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, with an AR-15 rifle and opened fire into four classrooms. The shooter had purchased the gun legally, passing a background check that included a mental health question. By the time it was all over, he would kill 17 students and staff, including Joaquin. I know I'm just a kid and kids don't know any better, Tori said, referring to her relationship with Joaquin, but it was the purest form of love that there is. I'm so thankful that I had that, even if it was for such a short time. She still has the flowers Joaquin gave her on the day he died. She still wears his sweatshirt.
1: When I hear those words, I think of my students what were you thinking when you read those words, Libby?
0: I was thinking of the pain of a loss like that. We all know the intensity of young love and the passion and connection we feel with those first soulmates that we've met. And to have someone like that ripped from your life leaves an indelible mark. I mean, it just sears your heart forever.
1: Yeah. Well, today we have a special premium. When you become a, a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag, we will send you a copy of Whose Right Is It? The Second Amendment and the Fight Over Guns by Hanna Baramovich. Go to give to, that's numeral to, WBAI.org.
0: Or call 516-620-3602.
2: To find out more about becoming a member of GAG, please go to GaysAgainstGuns.net or follow us at GaysAgainstGunsNY on Facebook and Instagram and GagNoGuns on Twitter. For more information about how to attend member meetings, check us out on our social media platforms.
1: Our next meeting is Thursday, February 18th at 7 p.m.
2: We leave you with our fabulous rendition of Bloody Valentine. Valentine.
0: <laughs> a twisted Valentine. Valentine. Thousands will die.